Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio show number 510, Living a More Productive Life in a Progressive Culture. Today we're going to be talking about creating and sustaining high-performing teams and cultures. I'm Jo Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage for Success core team. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engageforsuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list and all our social media links are there too. My guest today is Jane Sparrow, who's author and founder of The Culture Builders and Tuddle. Uh, welcome, Jane. Thanks for joining me. Lovely to be here, Joe, with you and, and all the people listening, particularly as I was involved with Engage for Success at the beginning, as you know. And it's just such a joy to see the impact it's had over the years and how many how many people have been touched, I guess, by the ripple effect of all the work everybody's done. Yes, and you've been on the show before as well. We were just uh, reminiscing show 100 and something, like uh, I think you said 2016, so quite a long time ago. <laughs> yes, yes, although some things don't change, do they, in terms of the need of humans, although the world we are in is certainly different than we would ever have predicted in 2016. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So start by telling people or reminding people who you are and uh, what you do. So Jane, obviously, Jane Sparrow, so author of three books now. So it would have been one at the time that we last were together here. And more recently, two new books. The Bank of Me is the, the title of one of them. And The Bank of Me, the remote working edition, is the second one. So I'm sure we'll cover some of the, the key content from there as we're chatting away today, Joe. Um, mm-hmm. But I also run The Culture Builders, uh, and that is an organisation that specialises, as the name suggests, in culture. So I'm an expert in culture, in change and in people development with a big flavour on well-being right now. Yes, yeah. Lovely. So let's start by, um, let's not go for anything easy. Let's start by discussing what the big challenges are (laughs) that are facing our leaders around engagement um, and and particularly connecting to purpose. That's um, an event we had uh, recently, uh, one of our big events where we talk about the enablers and we were talking very much about uh, the strategic narrative and, and obviously purpose and and storytelling at the time so um great to have you on the show quite soon after that so what are those big challenges that our leaders are facing right now well of course anyone listening to this is going to be right in the middle of it aren't they and and with the the turmoil of the world in every sense i think there are many big challenges that we're seeing and experiencing for for leaders for managers as well and actually just anyone that's in an organization but at the same time there's challenge of course there's also opportunity coming with that you know some of the businesses we're working with are actually transforming for growth right now whilst others are transforming and changing because they're not growing so there's the real there's a real kind of polar opposites in some way of, of the challenges that people are facing but to pick a few which I think will resonate with with those listening there's definitely something we're seeing around ethical working and people that are joining organizations believing that they've got a real purpose and then perhaps finding when they get there that the experience they're having 
isn't quite what they were hoping for and that that purpose was was part of the brand sell rather than necessarily what people are are yet experiencing internally so i think that that match between what is it we want to be and the purpose we have versus people's lived experience is a real challenge and of course for leaders there's a huge role that we have to play there um the second thing that we also see is people looking for much more flex in the way that they work. And again, I'm sure there's a few people smiling at this. So people that you know are constantly sort of saying, well, how do we cope with the fact that over the last few years, a number of our team members have had more flex and now that needs to change again, but expectations are, are there and we need to match or, or at least meet them. And then of course, there's the third area around being able to truly give the time to properly engage with our people and understand the needs of, of each person as an individual that we operate with. Because although, of course, that's logical that we must do that, and that's part of this movement, there, there's also the just the real practicality, particularly for middle leaders, around time. And how do I how do I find the time? How do I magic the time to understand and think about what is the need of the person I need to communicate with, either formally or informally? Um, and what's the outcome I need? And how do I best do that? Um, because that takes a bit of intentionality and a bit of time. And in fact, I was on a walk and talk because I'm doing lots of walk and talks at the moment with clients the other day. And we were talking about the need to do some more work with their leaders on communicating with impact and actually going back to some of those basics around thinking about the traits, the needs, the characteristics of the people we need to engage and particularly now bringing in you know, neurodiversity, although that phrase I might come back to, I, I have a, um, a, a different one I prefer to use. But, you know, thinking really around the needs and then link to that the final one that I think is worth bringing through is well-being, which I know is, is close to your heart, Jo. Um, but really, again, helping that that people see that. In the past, it was all around organizations that have responsibility in, in their perception for well-being. And so lots of things being put in place to help people. But actually, more and more now, the challenge for leaders of helping their own people take some responsibility too. So there's a dual responsibility going on. Mm-hmm. It's funny, I've just been reflecting, thinking about all those areas that you've mentioned and the fact that, you know, we've we um you know, you've been involved with us for a long time. We've been around since um 2012 and um you know we I think we often have conversations about you know we're always thinking about how to better engage people and and some people sort of imply that or you know talk about you know have we ever really cracked it you know it happens in lots of places really well and also in lots of places not so well um but you know have have we ever really sort of cracked it and and then when you look at the fact that the business world changes all the time there's always different challenges there's always um you know different um you know things facing us it's no wonder really that we we you know we try really hard to to really get that engagement in in the organizations and every year it seems to be different <laughs> not surprisingly yeah. you know the business world changes and and as you just said you know i don't know flexibility we've talked flexibility for years but until you know, the more recent years and, and the pandemic and everything else, it, it it never really had taken that bigger hold. And now it's a massive thing, isn't it? Well-being, again, similar sort of thing that been something that's been around, you know, talked about for a long time, but really sort of came to the fore in, in recent years. And so you can see it's, it's not a surprise, really, that uh, we do keep need to, to keep talking about <laughs> these things because we're always looking at it from a different perspective as the business world changes. 
You're so right. And even on, you know, in your introduction just now, you were mentioning, of course, the storytelling piece and the strategic narrative. And still, you know, 12 years on from writing a book saying the storyteller was one of the five roles we all need to be able to perform, perform well. Still, that is a massive theme among people that, that you know, we're working with. Um, you know, how do we get better at storytelling, story, you know, creating the narrative, helping people continue to see the proof points and and so on. So again, you know, just when you said that at the beginning, it was another classic example of something, thankfully, we keep talking about, uh, but but there's still more to do in those areas. We're never really there, are we? It's an ongoing journey. No, exactly. And I suppose that's that's the thing, isn't it? You sort of think, oh, we should, we should have cracked it by now. But it's like, well, we have in the circumstance we were in, and now we're in a different circumstance. So, you know, we're coming around to new things. So what what are people on that sort of topic? What what are people doing? What are organisations doing now that, that's working really well? Well, I think that there's a number of things. And if we think about the environment, as you've just touched on, that we're in, there's a huge amount of change, isn't there? Things are shifting. Context is changing all of the time. Where we're seeing real great results and impact are where teams, leaders, organisations as a whole are really managing change intentionally from a human perspective. So what I mean by that practically is having a lot of conversation on a regular basis, a lot of dialogue around why why we're changing, why we're evolving, what needs to change, what that means for you. All of those classic things that as people that love and and are in the engagement world know about. But actually where we're seeing real success is where the intentionality is there around that. And it's not just done at the beginning of of the latest kind of change in in the business, but actually the organizations and the teams are investing in equipping and supporting change properly. And I was with a group last week, a, a senior group who they're a year into a journey and we have constant conversation with them and they're baking some of the, the attitudinal change into them, their own behaviour as much as the rest of the organisations. So I think there's definitely a big theme around, you know, there's a lot of organisations and teams doing really well with managing change, the human side of change. Mm-hmm. Um, linked to that, though, I think, is a lot of the the trend we're seeing is a need for strategic thinking and space for senior leaders which means that there's a bigger focus on empowerment so you know I need to empower my people so that I've got the space to do what I do best and I can add the most value and this is a really interesting one as well Joe because I think we've been talking about empowerment for years but the real challenge is you know I, I work with leaders and they say but I am empowering people and, and so we look at how they're doing that and, and really they're saying to their teams, I empower you. Mm. Brilliant. Well, that's great. But if I don't feel empowered, just telling me I'm empowered is not enough. Yeah. And so where we're seeing people work really well on this, again, is by overcoming some of the, the, the foundational things, helping change belief in senior leaders so that they they take that strategic thinking time once they create it, but also that they're creating the right conditions for empowerment. So, you know, our good old friend, psychological safety, that absolutely needs to be there before you can tell someone you empower them, of course. Uh, trust, alignment, human connection. Um, and we have a, a, a way of kind of talking about this. And I was with a group the other day and one of the people in there said, oh my gosh, this is just now so obvious for me that I'm getting frustrated that my team aren't taking more empowerment. But actually when I look at it, I've gone straight to trying to align us 
And what I haven't done enough of is that connection and trust building. And so, of course, I need to start there before I, you know, before I do that alignment to help people. So, you know, that that why that empowerment. Um, the other thing that encouragingly we're seeing more evidence of is people really taking values and properly embedding them. So we've moved away from the days of values being on the walls and not seen in everyday behavior and much more seeing that the importance and people are placing on help us embed them rather than just create them. And, and also a bit more honesty around some of these are aspirational. They're not necessarily fully in existence today. So mm-hmm. let's be a bit dynamic with how we talk about what we value and what we expect from people. So we're seeing that going well. Um, and finally, I mentioned well-being earlier. I'll pull that one out again because we're definitely seeing some evidence of some organizations, some leaders having a much more joined up thinking approach to well-being and realizing that it's about belief and behavior not just about the tools and and systems and and product that's offered within businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've talked about um, culture being your thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's talk a bit about that, about how organisations and leaders can create that highly engaged uh, culture. I mean, um, it's it's a simple sounding word, but not so simple in reality, is it? <laughs> You're so right. And, you know, it reminds me a bit of our early conversations around engagement and that it was a word that was used constantly, but it meant different things to different people. And and I feel it's the same with culture. Quite often people will come and say, hey, can you help us with our culture? And of course, the answer is yes. Everything we do improves culture. Otherwise, we don't do it in our our world. But the, the reality, of course, as we know, is that culture isn't a thing. It's everything. It's every small but significant thing that happens that people experience in their in their environment, in their work. And so, you know, just saying, let's work on it. We've got to, to think about what are the big things that, that help culture, but also what are the some of the smaller behavioral things? So we always talk about three pillars of culture that underpins everything we do. So the first is what is it we believe And what do we want people? What do we need people to believe? Our people, our customers, our stakeholders. The second pillar is how do we behave? And do we behave every day in accordance with what we believe? So classic thing I mentioned just now is values. You know, yes, we we say we believe in them. Great. But actually, do we see them in our everyday behavior from one another? And do we challenge each other if we're not seeing them so that we continue to evolve and thrive? And then the third pillar is what we use, which is the systems, the structures, the processes, the technology and environment that help us to achieve that belief and help us to display those behaviours. And so we look across the three because what we often find is that that the easy stuff to look at is the, is the what we use because it's tangible, it's evident. What we have to get under, of course, to really understand and then evolve a culture is what are the beliefs that are there today that need to evolve and how do we help people to adopt uh, and adapt some of the right behaviours for the for the new way of working into the future. Um, and of course, you know, all of that is around impact. So impact of doing any of that should be a culture that's full of what, what, what I call investors. So two types of people in organisations, there are savers and investors. Um, savers come in, do a great job, take their pay and, and benefits at the end of the month. And, and that's great. But what we need is as many investors as possible for high performance. So people that are truly invested 
in being the best they can be and really invested in taking the ambition of that organization or that team to the level that that they possibly can. So again, you know, it's not culture for culture's sake. It's having the right culture that allows people to be able to bring their best and then deliver the outcomes that are needed, whether that's commercial or or, um, community or whatever it might be. Mm. And one of the things that always interests me about the, the sort of culture conversation is how people always imagine culture is like the organizational culture but we know that actually the team and and individual interactions is what drives the 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 whole thing really because as much as you could say as an organization this is what we believe and this is how we behave and these are all the processes it still comes down to individuals yeah you're totally right and actually you know this comes down to individuals who themselves believe and want to be intentional around creating the best possible culture for their team, the best possible environment for their team and for their colleagues. Um, And so, you know, that means people that see it's an ongoing journey. You know, some of the best leaders I work with in terms of their their ability, their energy and so on, who I just adore, are the ones that are constantly saying, come on, I need to work a bit more. I need to look at, at how we get even more granular with this and and what I love is those groups that that we work with where we will do work in a room with them but then what they they're very keen to do is continue to bake in what, what can I do every day what can we as a team what can we as a board do every day every week what can we put into our rhythms and routines that means that we are constantly shifting and and improving and and that does mean getting granular. So it's one of the boards I'm working with at the moment, I sat down with the company secretary after the last um, offsite and said, OK, we've agreed some commitments and some actions, but actually now we need to say, so how do those go into the rhythms and routines of the way the board work? The everyday things, almost looking at the diary, how do those things get adopted in terms of everyday habits? Because it's only once we do that and, and we have someone in each team that is the conscience do we make a difference? And, and so that's where, you know, thankfully seeing more ownership for that uh, at an individual and at a team level. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the board. Let, let's sort of take it down a level, if you like. You, in your first book, The Culture Builders, Leadership Strategies for Employee Performance, you talked about the importance of middle managers. I think you coined the phrase the miracle in the middle. Um, let's talk a bit more about that. I've, I've worked quite often with middle managers where they always sort of say, oh, are the senior people getting this training or are they going to talk about this as well sort of thing? And I've always felt there's, there's quite a, sometimes a, a, a gap, you know, the, the senior people have got this whole plan, this is what they think they're going to do. And actually the, 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 the gap is often how they communicate that to that middle level to then actually make that difference in the organisation. Tell me a bit more about your thoughts about the importance of those middle managers. Well, you, you've you've absolutely hit it, haven't you? Because to me, they are the they are the miracle in the middle if you can engage them, and and not only kind of hierarchical in the middle, but also identifying where are all those other communities of people that exist that if we were able to tap into and build their confidence and their competence and their creativity, that actually they would move us even further forward. They because it, it's our middle managers that I get so passionate about because so many of them are underinvested in um they're under immense pressure day to day they're the ones that 
a giving the lead the lived experience for for all of the people in the business or the mm-hmm. organization they're the ones that are connecting with them every day aren't they yeah. um and and there's so much potential in that and i it drives me mad when i talk to, to people and they say oh well of course we've got to get through the permafrost kind of no 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 first of all change that attitude let's look at how do we really help the people that are there every day develop them equip them build their confidence give them feedback constantly about their leadership style give them the time to be able to lead and manage properly particularly when there's so much volatility around and and actually you know the more that we can do with them and align it to anything that's being done with senior groups or with change agent groups and so on then the, you know the prize is huge i think for for the level of investment that it takes um and and you know that that was as you say it's one of the things i i brought out in in the book and it was one of the reasons i wrote the book you know all those years ago it was 12 years old but still use a lot of the content and the reason I did that originally was because I was so passionate about helping people that wouldn't necessarily get on a training program at that time or a development stream to be able to get practical ways to be able to help make their lives and the lives of others even even easier and allow people to, to shine and thrive um, in the best possible way. Yeah. And of course, those middle managers you were talking about that then. 12 years ago <laughs> are probably yeah. the senior managers now <laughs> senior leaders now so let's let's hope <laughs> let's hope it was done well <laughs> well indeed and then of course you get into the interesting challenge that that um I've got with a couple of groups at the moment where they're asking us to equip their sort of um minus one level as they call it you know the the, the exec minus one level ready for the next ra- range of transformation and the the most senior group is sort of saying, well, we've done that. We know how to do it. And mm-hmm. so you know, my response to that is, I'm sure you do, but we're all human. So let's remind you so that when we're doing the work with your senior leaders, that you yourselves are true exemplars and have got the right habits. Because you know, we're all human, aren't we? And, and we, we can really only adopt two or three things at a time and really consistently and sustainably change them or or, or embrace them in the way that we behave um and so we are all you know work in progress and as i say even my the best leaders that probably were in the middle 12 years ago um are are really interested in making sure that they continue to evolve themselves absolutely i think it's really situational as well i think you know being really great in this this moment and then changing what you do and who you interact with and and what your responsibilities are you know, why would you necessarily be just as good in that new role? Um, and then you've got different people you're working with as well, which will challenge you in different ways. And and so, as you say, we have to constantly be learning and adapting and changing because everything around us, going back to what we said right at the beginning, everything is changing all the time. We're always working in a different situation to how we were before. So we we need to keep developing, don't we? You're right. And you know that you as you say that it just reminds me of some of the the insight we've got recently around the word resilience. So as part of a lot of the work we do in wellbeing with the Bank of Me, uh, we've had some kickback from younger people who have said, well, hang on, I don't I don't come to work to need to be resilient. 
And when you unpick that, of course, it's not about resilience. It's the term that, that there's a, a reaction to by some people rather than the, the underlying essence and ethos, which is actually we're going to help you be the best person you can be and make sure that you can continue to stretch. And when life those throws things at you, wherever those things come from, you're able to work with those in the best possible way. But, you know, just even that as an example shows that because expectations, language even is changing constantly. You know, having had your leadership development once on your way up the hierarchy is not enough. We've all got to be adapting, learning and curious, I feel, on, a, on an ongoing life basis. Mm-hmm. So you talked about well-being um, quite a few times throughout the conversation and, and you, you talked about it being joined up uh you know, the thinking is sort of joined up thinking in, in many organisations, but clearly not in all organisations. Um, perhaps tell me what you mean by joined up or not joined up, whichever is easier, easiest to describe. <laughs> um, and then, you know, why why is that the case? And, 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 you know, where are people doing it well? Well, I think it's all done with great intention. You know, over the last few years, as well-being has become something that people are much more aware of and have invested in. A huge amount of support and enablers have gone in in lots of organisations, you know, whether it's gym membership, whether it's nutrition advice, um, you know, apps like, you know, meditation apps and so on that are available. It's all great stuff. So I think it's incredible that a lot of that is now being offered. What, what I see, though, is that you've got that, then you've got a separate conversation in, in some places around mental health, and then there's a separate conversation around change. And so all of these things that either impact or benefit teams, individuals, organisational well-being are a little disconnected. And there's a huge impact, positive impact, if we can connect them up. And and in my eyes, that's that's really around thinking about how do we see well-being as a cultural opportunity? How can we make sure that we create a culture where well-being is baked into everything that we do to enable people to really be, be their best and achieve those goals and be aligned and, and motivated and, and so on? So, you know, we talk about the, 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 the bank of me, which is the idea that we all are a human bank account and we do things every day that withdraw or deposit in that human bank account and either put us in the black or in the red. And what we have to be is intentional, both as human beings, but also as colleagues and as teams, as to what do we do that means that we stay in the black rather than push ourselves into the red. And that's joined up thinking. You know, we we talk about five areas in the book and in our Bank of Me app now, um, and team version of that, which is Tuddle, um, we have a six, which is inclusion. So they are physiological, emotional, focus, personal growth, motivation, and as I say, uh, inclusive. And what we really see in this is that if you can't just be really, really good at one or two of those. You've got to have a baseline in all of them to be able to perform at your best. And therefore, if you think about the types of things in organisations that are there to support that in that sort of what we use bucket of my three pillars, um, a lot of them are around physiological. Um, a few touch on emotions, for example, employee assistance programs, that kind of thing. But actually, let's think about what we do across all six of those areas and then ensure that we're helping people to know that they exist and have the right belief and behavior so that their well-being individually and collectively is the best it possibly can be. So I feel we're kind of 
um, happily, because I care about this area, I feel we're at the beginning of a, a move to, to embrace well-being as more of a cultural theme and actually get some energy around that and some alignment around it. And then I feel it will really start to make a difference and go up a gear. Yeah. And did you say at the beginning that your third book was Bank of Me, but to do with hybrid working? Yes, it was well remembered. So the, the, the third book, uh, which is Bank of Me, remote working, but if it's the same kind of principles for hybrid, we wrote just at the beginning of the pandemic because we'd been working in Hong Kong and China. One of our big clients was out there. And so we were working with them around how to lead and how to manage yourself right before we even knew it was going to, to hit work more widely in the world. So we decided that the best thing we could do to help those those people, because we couldn't get to them in the same way that we had done before, was to write the book. And so possibly the fastest piece of work we've ever done for publishing, um, we, we wrote that book. And then it's a resource now for many people. But we've we've taken it a step further because what we knew was that getting it into people's hands to help them every day was the real thing to help habitual change and behavior change and to have an impact for more people. So we then created the Bank of Me app. And what that does is it asks people questions that helps them measure their well-being across those six areas, but also gives them a dashboard, gives them nudges so that they can keep going on the journey that they want to go on. And critically, it looks at what's coming this week rather than what happened last week. So it's about equipping people for what's coming so they're best able to, 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 to perform rather than what has gone. So very exciting to kind of have, have the, the, the programs that we do, the workshops we do, the digital versions of it, the, the book, and now the, now the app. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, all sounds very exciting. So it's been really interesting talking to you, Jane, and great to have had you back on the show after all this time. We need to book you again for another how many years? <laughs> oh, I hope it's not going to be another, you know, five or six. And how many more books have you got to write in the meantime? <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure there's at least one. I just need to find the time. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Joe. Great to be with you. Bye bye. And just to let you know, next week we've got Simon Fanshaw, who's co-founder of Diversity by Design, and he's talking with Joe Moffat about the value of diversity. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.